Not a Disney Movie is an exploration of animated movies not made by Disney. It contains explicit language. Welcome to Not a Disney Movie, the show where we watch animated films which are not made by Disney, see if they're any good, and talk about them and probably disagree about what they are and I misunderstand what the themes are. And I am also here. <laughs> I am Paul. I'm Natalie. And this week we watched... Missing, missing Link. link. Yeah, okay, nearly. We nearly got that psychic connection going. Well, I was tr- trying to remember what it was called because there are so many other movies that came out about Sasquatch slash Bigfoot slash Yeti. Abominable, like Yeti. Yeti, Abominable Snowman. Which is a whole thing that I don't understand and would like someone to explain to me. Why does that happen? If you're listening to this and you know why that happens, why do films that are similar come out at the same time? Why, why, why? How does it happen? Is there like a, a meeting of all the film people and they're like, we need movies about Bigfoot. I'd we like need them. to think, yeah. We need three <laughs> and we need them all to come out between the period of 2017 and 2018. Yeah. I like to think that it's it's t- like each studio operates like a, a nation state and they're all spying on each other and they go, uh, Warner Brothers has got a, uh, a Yeti movie coming out. We, we've got to get a <laughs> Yeti need... movie. But why? I don't understand. It's don't the know. same as, obviously, not a children's movie or a Disney movie, but the, the friends with benefits slash no strings attached thing that happened. Oh, yeah. There's, there's countless examples of it. There's, there's The Ants of Bugs Life. There's... The Deep Impact. Oh, don't get me started on Ants and a Bug's Life. Okay. All right, well, we'll move on. Missing Link, what do you think? I loved it. I love this movie. It's a good movie. It was a financial bomb. Oh, was it? <laughs> this movie costs like $100 million to produce and made like 20 Well, it looks expensive. I wanted to touch every single part of this movie. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. It, I think because... And we should point out, this is a stop-motion movie. This is made by Leica, who just do stop-motion movies. So they're the only people that do it, really, I guess. Walls other, other, Yeah, other than Aardman, who are, like, UK-based. But oh, really? even 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 Aardman have dabbled in, like, doing CGI stuff, like, flushed away. Leica specifically just kind of do this stop-motion stuff. And they do it at such a high level. It just... Everything looks like the best kind of toy. Like, it's a kind of, like, everything looks like a collectible to me. And how do you make... St- Stop motion water. I don't know. Well, they do do some CGI stuff. Like the 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 movie opens with this like Nessie sort of scene in Scotland, and a lot of the underwater stuff is CGI, and you can kind of tell that. Like a lot of the big well, wider I shots tell. are water. I was living in the, in the magical moment, so yeah. I yeah wasn't thinking about that. It, it is a great looking movie. Um, I watched a couple of like behind the scenes things, and what they do is old school like stop motion stuff like morph where you can literally morph morph yeah you said morph 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 yeah yeah okay morph yeah carry on okay um well if you watch like old things like morph you can literally still see like people's like fingerprints on it you know where they've I love it. Mush the mouth or whatever, but they don't do that anymore. What they instead have is they have detachable faces. 
So they actually 3D print all like the different facial expressions and then they like swap them out. So all, all the they've got like magnets on the faces yeah. and they just rip off a face, put on a new face. Oh god, that's terrifying. And they have like I think they said something like over a hundred thousand like faces in this movie. Um and I they use CGI yeah. to kind of like hide like the line where they would have like a line where the face comes off. Because they'd use the same sort of technology in Coraline, but in Coraline the technology wasn't quite as good. So when they 3D printed it, they could only 3D print it in white. So they had to then hand paint all the faces. Oh my god. Yeah, whereas now they can 3D print them in like all the colours, so it's all good. But Susan, or Mr. Link, um, is like one of the most complicated stop motion characters they've ever Complicated made. looking, not complicated emotionally. Uh, very straightforward yeah, it's very straightforward. Very literal character. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's complicated, complicated to, to make. They had to make um, had to make them out of silicon. So like, because you know how it's got these kind of like tufty like tufts. tufts of hair, and they're all like so individual. Like they had to like make all that out of clay, and then cast it, and then make it out of resin and stuff, so that it could all move and flex and not be like completely destroyed. His face looked like it was made of silicon as well, um, in a way that was pleasurable to me, and I wanted to sort of smush his face against a window and see if it would stick. Yeah, it does have a very tactile, tactile feel. He does that in the movie, though, at one point. He smushes his face against yeah, the window. Yeah, against the train window. That's where I got the idea. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just want to I wanna hold all of these things and, like, smush them with my hands. Yeah. I like the, I like the kind of travelly nature of this movie like it's a bit globe trotty and they did say that like what their inspiration for this movie was for some reason indiana jones like raiders of the lost ark well well one of the things i was gonna write down but didn't because i couldn't be bothered mm -hmm. has it just become like film language that if a character who wears a hat is momentarily not wearing their hat then they're in danger because that's indiana jones isn't it when Indiana Jones is not wearing his hat, yeah, yeah. he's in trouble. Yeah. And at the, in the opening sequence of the movie, there's a character um, who is in some difficulties. <laughs> and, you talk about the guy that gets eaten by Nessie. Yeah. Mr. And, Mr. And Lint. The bit that stuck out to me was he, he falls back down and is safe in the boat and then his hat splats down afterwards. And I was uh, like, I wonder if that's just become sort of shorthand for like... Possibly. That is the kind of thing that I... Do not notice at all and goes over my head completely. But yeah, the other source of inspiration for this movie that they talked about was Around the World in 80 Days. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I like a good movie. It's been a while since I've watched a movie where there's a nice bit of map action, drawing some lines on a map just oh, yeah. to like show them that they're travelling, um, which I quite like that they do in this movie because they go from, they go, well, they go start in Scotland, then they go to London, then from London they go to somewhere in america or to like washington state yeah via canada i guess yeah and then i guess do they they go south america not yeah because then america, they go down but... to, to like uh southern california yeah and then they go right across to new york to get the boat back to the uk yeah and then they travel through europe on the train yes to get to india to get to um shangri-la yeah and that's great. It's fun stuff. I like it a lot. Like I like the little montage sort of sequences where they're like riding on the elephant and the boat trip is pretty cool as well where they have like a big fight on the boat and like all the water in that looks yeah. awesome. I wanted to touch it and put it on my face. <laughs> I'd say what I like about this movie 
is that it feels like um, in, in that kind of Sherlock Holmes way where it feels like this is one of many stories in this person's life. Oh, like, and it life. was definitely... Um, oh, yeah, it was definitely when we see inside the... So the main character is an explorer. Mm-hmm. Lionel um, something. Lionel over. whatever. Yeah. Who's voiced by Hugh, huge, huge, Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, who does a great job, by the way? Yeah, like I, I feel like the 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 voice cast in this is is so you've got Zach Galifianakis as Susan. Excuse me, what did you just say that his Z- name was? Zach Galifianakis. Gal- 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 okay, Gal- now I don't know how to say it. I Zach Galifianakis. If you say it quick enough, no one will question you. Zach Galifianakis and Zoe Saldana as the lady whose name I've forgotten. The lady character. There's always a lady character. Strong female character. Strong female. But what I like about it is like it doesn't just sound like. You know, it doesn't sound like Hugh, Hugh Jackman just doing <laughs> Hugh Jackman voice. It sounds like no, he he's, do, he's doing some acting there. I did hear some his, voice acting. This is Australian, right? And there was like one tiny moment where I heard a bit of like an Australian sort of um, syllable come mm. through, and I was like, "Oh, just a bit cozy." But the reason I brought it up was because he plays an explorer, and we see inside his house in London. And as soon as I saw, it, I thought. Oh, that's very familiar to me. I wonder what it's from. And it's because it it's supposed to look like the um, Sherlock Holmes flat in Baker Street. Mm. There was something else that happened while they were in that in that um, there's a dodo. Room. There's a dodo that falls down. Yes, there is. But there was something else that made me think of um, Sherlock Holmes. There's skeletons but, of animals. I don't think Sherlock Holmes had skeletons of animals, did he? No, but he has that memorabilia of like his cases right and i guess that's the implication it's like these are memorabilia from this guy's other trips yeah uh, there was something like more overt than that but i can't remember what it was but in any case there's just lots of inspiration from lots of different like really famous media of around that time I, yeah and i think it's a good different... combo like it's all like kind of that that same sort of period isn't it like around the world in 80 days and sherlock they all feel like kind of like victorian era sort of thing and they all kind of hang together quite well um and I, and I do think, like, from that standpoint, like, the movie works. And I like what I was going to say earlier about the voice cast is that, like, it does feel like they're actually doing voice acting, like, in a lot of, like, non-Disney animated movies. Yeah. And even in some Disney animated movies, it feels like, oh, we've just hired this famous person right. because they're famous and they will do their voice that people will recognise because they're famous. Yeah, yeah, I did think of that when I, I looked up the cast and I was like, wow, that's a lot of really famous people. But Stephen Fry's in as well and I've... I recognised his voice, but it did take me a while to pin it to who it was because he's not doing just Stephen Fry. He's doing a character, Hmm. Um, which I feel... I seem to remember reading about, like, like famous voice actors from sort of the before time. Before, basically, um, Robin... We have to... (laughs) We have to edit this bit out. So I was talking about Robin Williams um, being like the first sort of big live action actor to do sort of voice acting. And like he very much did both of those things, right? He was like successful in both of those things and he had both of those skills. And then what followed him was a lot of like big live action actors doing voices in order to sell. I think we just call them actors. I don't think we call them live action actors. No, but I'm, di- I'm distinguishing live action 
from that voice, from voice, actor. voice actor. Yeah, so okay, specifically, sure, yeah. that is exactly what I'm trying to refer to, yeah, and that okay, is why okay. I use that All word. Right. So I've written here some of my favourite lines are um, Mr. Lint near the start, who is Lionel's uh, like sidekick. He, he's like his Watson kind of character, I suppose. And is voiced by David Wally. And is voiced by David Wally before he uh, up and quits like right early on in the movie. Lionel lassoes Nessie and says, hold on to this rope. And then he's just like swinging around trying to hold on to this thing. <laughs> he just says, my hands are bleeding. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of like mo- yeah. moments that genuinely made me laugh. Yeah, it is Which, delightfully funny. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's like it like doesn't try too hard for the jokes, right? Like and it's not like the jokes aren't wedded to like pop culture or anything like that. Like no, they're they're nice I feel like they're nice and character timeless. moments. They're not yeah. gonna there's a running joke in the first sort of few scenes of the movie where um Hugh Jackman's character I can't, I wish I could remember what his name. The main the main character. Lionel, I've said it several times. Lionel. As he travels about the world, he sort of he, he goes past a crowd of people and he's in a horse-drawn carriage and he just splashes everyone. And it's not, like, referenced in dialogue, which would have just maybe made it a little bit too heavy-handed, but he does have that going on. And I just like that little touch of the fact that he's kind of divorced from reality. Yeah, he's, he's like... The whole sort of arc is that he's like goes from being very, like, self-centred and just wanting to prove himself this nondescript sort of gentleman's club which is for some sort of adventurers or explorers the, the gentleman's club represents like the old world and like they say this line great um line towards the end where they say like we shape the world and he replies like well i think the world shapes us which is like a nice way to kind of like it was a theme it was a theme, theme see of the movie. i thought about it had a theme well, i thought the theme of the movie was going to be trust because at one point they said the word trust <laughs> had, a, had a really slow handshake and I was like Paul that's the theme actually like they don't really have there's not like really a dramatic moment where Lionel and Susan fall out or anything yeah there fucking is when? yeah there fucking when is when they're in the pit they With, fall. yeah what do they say I kind of zoned out there a little bit the, well there was also before that when they're on the boat and Zoe Saldana was like Hugh Jackman can you go talk to, to yeah that's a nice moment thing yeah. The man, because he, you treat him like your butler, and he's not your butler; he's your partner. Where, where Lionel first meets Susan, in the like the sort of town in the U.S. that's kind of like I guess like a logging sort of community or whatever. Like they're just like in the forest. It, we don't need to know. What we don't need to know. It's not important. There were cowboys there, and it was good. Yeah, and they have a bar fight, which is great. But... That bar fight. Excuse me, I all have. Trivia from IMDb. Sure. Okay, yeah. Um, I don't really remember how the trivia was phrased, but that bar fight scene, I think it had the most individual shots of like any other stop motion movie, like for one scene ever. Well, I feel not good about claiming that now, <laughs> but if you go to imdb.com and then go to the trivia page, you can read it for yourself. All right. Um, well, what I noticed was that the the bartender has tattoos on his knuckles that say "cash only." Oh yeah, which I thought was a nice little touch. Do you think because um, stop motion movies take so long, that's why they've got so many little details like that? Because if you're hanging around with these models and you're like moving them by minute little details, you know you, your brain is in that space, and that's why like it would encourage you to think of these little in jokes, and then that's. That's one of my favourite things. Even in the credits as well, there were loads of little um, 
they had like newspaper print and other sort of documentation just sort of coming up around the credits. I think that's just more virtue of just like the people that made it caring, do you know what I mean? And putting in that attention as a detail because you need to do that kind of thing. Like really, if we're comparing this to, you know, last last week where we talked about Charlotte's Web and how like garbage looking that is, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's the love, care, budget, time, attention to detail sort of stuff. Like yeah. to me, that's what it is. It's, that speaks more to it. And maybe there is something to do with like the particular art of stop motion that does, you know, you noticing the smaller details perhaps more. Some people who make movies just kind of like after a while are just sort of like churning them out. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, you mean like directors or like. No, I just like just all because there's so many. One of the things we were talking about yesterday when we were watching it, we sat and watched all of the credits because you were convinced something was going to happen at the end. Um, well, nothing really happened, but it was some, some nice credits. But they, they're so long. Like, there's so many people involved in oh, yeah. every single movie, and not all of those people can care a hundred percent. Sure, yeah. I mean, like, I doubt like the person in HR has as much a stake in it as the person who's like lead animator. Well, that yeah. Here's the thing I liked about this movie as well. What is how it like kind of points out all the obvious little things that you would perhaps overlook in this type of movie. So, for example, when um they go to the Himalayan village mm. and Lionel's like, oh, I'm going to talk to yeah, the natives. Yeah. And he's like talking really slowly like this. And yeah. so Zoltana's character, Zoltana? Zoe, <laughs> Zoe Zoltana's character is like um, the English man abroad. And yeah, like, yeah. it's just so typical. And then when they, when they meet the Yetis, like one of the first things uh, they say is like, how do you speak English? And they, and they reply with, how do you know we're not speaking Yeti? <laughs> Which I thought was just great. It's just like those little things of like just acknowledging these these silly little things, which in prior movies that these that kind of inspired this would very much be kind of like taken for granted yeah, yeah. or, you know, not addressed. Yeah. And I do like that, that they do address them. Yeah. Even, even in like a small way, I think. Because they do it in a humorous way, which again, I think is well done. The gentleman's club kind of representing this kind of the old guard, if you will, and not wanting any sort of change. And when they're... Well, and also the notion of being, like, explorers. I mean, we, they say explorers, but... Well, adventurers. colonists, like... Oh, yeah, they talk about... Yeah, there is there is a couple of mentions of, like, the empire and colonies and stuff like that, but which yeah. aren't, like, really elaborated on, but... Well, how much can you... I mean, how much can you go into that in a... In a... Well, yeah, in a, in a kids' movie, there's meant to be a story about Susan finding more of their kind. I right? wonder what it would be like if they made like the story of Pocahontas now. Maybe they will. I mean, they probably will because they're probably going to do a, re- a live, a live action, action remake, aren't they? Oh, think, garbage. just think of all the contentious conversations. <laughs> probably that they will won't have end with her dying in London, will it? Of uh, didn't she get some disease and die in London? I believe that's what happened to her. Yeah, I think she did. Yeah, yeah. She did. She didn't. Spoiler alert for the real story of Pocahontas. She didn't stay. She went with John Smith. <laughs> I don't know how we got how we got down this road. Because I I wanted to know if they were gonna um what it would be like if they made Pocahontas now because they they would need to address a lot of that stuff, and they would probably do it in some sort of flim flammy way that yeah. would make nobody happy. Yeah, potentially. Um, but I would like to see them try because I like watching other people fail. Fair enough. I feel bad that this movie didn't do better because it is a good movie and should be seen. 
I feel bad that when we watched this movie at the end, it suggested we watch the movie that was about the family. Oh, yeah. Bigfoot was the dad. This is completely unrelated, but after we finished watching this movie, Netflix suggested that we watch Bigfoot something. It was the called Bigfoot The Bigfoot Family, family something like that. which looks absolute garbage. And I really want to I think I might. I might pick that from my film oh, next God, week so that we have to watch it. Because I want to know how they address the fact that the the woman married Bigfoot and created a child of him. Yeah, the premise of that show is that there is Bigfoot is Bigfoot as we imagine him, but has settled down to domestic <laughs> bliss a... with a regular human woman and has a child <laughs> who for some reason can run fast. <laughs> like, what the hell? It's interesting, isn't it? Because like... I, I don't know if that film is probably not Disney. I would... Oh, it's definitely not. I can tell you that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I it, it did say who it was by in small font. Um, because some company you've never heard of. That's who it was by. Since we've started doing this, and I've been paying more attention to like all of the other companies that make animated movies that aren't Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel a little bit more sensitive to, um the sort of real cheap tropes that crop up in sort of generic animated movies and it just looked like that movie was going to be full of them from just we only saw the trailer I should be clear but there was nothing about it that made me want to watch it as anything other than a sort of look how bad this is going to be exercise yeah it looked like trash all of like his movies seem to be really critically well received that doesn't seem to just translate to like the box office for them. Yeah. So like Kubo and the Two Strings, that I think that was Oscar nominated perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, Paranorman's really good as well. Like all, all of their movies have been really really good, but like they've just not made like a ton of money. And particularly like these movies because they do take so long to make. Yeah. And like they end up you know being expensive. It it, it does potentially put that in jeopardy that we will get more of these films down the line if like they continue to be. Like not make that money for them that yeah. ultimately they're going to need to make right like yeah that's the problem and yeah it doesn't help that the you know there's a there was a glut of Bigfoot style movies Yeti movies coming out at the same time which probably maybe diminished it but I like to believe that instead of it being like a conscious decision there was just it's like the butterfly effect and everyone's brain was just happened to be thinking about Bigfoot at that time as a Human consciousness. We are all one and we're all thinking a little bit subconsciously about Bigfoot Bigfoot. in 2018. Yeah. Laika also made uh, Coraline. Have you seen that? Yeah. I have not. Great movie. I read the book. It came out in 2009, which I was surprised by. 2009? Yeah. Holy shit. I thought it was older than that. I thought it was more recent than that. I think it was one of those like first movies I saw in 3D, I want to say. I think it was like a 3D movie when it was released. I mean, I bet I would like the film because I bet it would have the same thing of like me wanting to touch everything. Mm. <laughs> it's such a problem. I wish I didn't have this tactile thing. Where... <laughs> I mean, this isn't relevant, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't like Coraline for the same reason that I don't like the Lemony Snicket books. Did you ever read those? No. The sort of um, Erzatz elevator and there's there piles of them going all the way through the al- alphabet. Um, right. No, I haven't read them, but I know that there's like the Netflix them. series that's like yeah, meant to be well regarded. Yeah. I keep wanting to watch it, but you go no. Because when I read them as a kid, I felt like they thought the book thought it was smarter than me, and it was 
And you were like, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it treated... I think you're fine. I've already figured this out. It treated the reader as though they were a bit of a dunce. And like, it kept making a reference to, if you want to go read a like nice fairy story, then you can go and read a nice fairy story. And I was like, do you know what I want to read? I want to read a book that's not sarcastic to me. I want to read something that is kind. I want to read a book where the narrator doesn't actively dislike me. You are very sensitive to these things, I feel. I... Yep. Yeah. How have we been together for so long and you do not understand this about me? No, I do. That's what I'm saying. You are sensitive to these things. I'm so sensitive to these then things. Then why did you even continue reading it then? You should just put it down there. Because I wanted to win. Oh, my God. But Missing Link <laughs> isn't based on any sort of book. It's written by Chris Butler, um, who was the director. He wrote I have a question. It. Go on. Where does this? Where does Sasquatch as a thing come from? It's not a book, is it? It's just a a, a like urban legend. legend. Yeah, yeah urban it's not legend. an urban legend, is it? It's very rural. Well, all right. Fine. Famously, there's folklore. <laughs> folklore. Okay. Yes. Can you Google it? You find out if there's any books about Sasquatch. Oh, well, there probably are. Yeah, definitely. There he is. I love that picture. Oh, this picture yeah. Great for a podcast. Uh... <laughs> Describe the picture for the podcast. A man in a bear suit. A man in a bear suit. Ape suit, ape suit. And he's like walking with his arms really... Um, swinging. Fla- just, swinging just him. a great time. But it's like he's just seen something over there. And it's a photographer. And there's something inherently really creepy about candid pictures where you can't quite... Like there's a reason that they capture people's imagination in that way. Like the at the end of the movie, they... Um, talk about the Fiji mer- mermaid, which was supposed to be evidence of real mer people. Yeah, what is the Fiji mermaid? It's um, a fish and a monkey. <laughs> yeah, because it looks gross. It is gross, but it's the sort of thing that as a kid I was really into, and I was like, "There are mermaids. There is evidence." But Did someone like put it together then. Someone put it together, and I think it was that man. Torso who... and head of a juvenile monkey sewn to the back half of a fish. It was a common feature of sideshows where it presented as a mummified body of a creature that was supposedly half mammal, half fish, a version of a mermaid. That sounds gross. I feel like it's all... Um, well, the, the time that the movie is Oh, here, here's at... a nice time for you, then. So, <laughs> the Fiji mermaid was originally part of P.T. Barnum exhibited it, P.T. Barnum, as in The Greatest Showman, as in played by Hugh Jackman. Whoa! Yes! That's a nice little tie-in. Oh, it's all, everything is a circle. Time is a flat Do we explain that at the end of Missing Link, that's where they go off on their next adventure? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, good. Oh my god. We were talking a little bit about the um, time that the movie's set at, and it is very ripe for sort of imagination and folklore stories because it's like the turn of the century and and it sounds to me like it was bored there was very little rich there people. was no tv at the time there, <laughs> and they were basically it's to remember like, that. there was lots of like technological and discoveries going on at the time and people were just like can we time travel like do we know for certain that we can't time travel do we know for certain that there aren't mermaids? Maybe there are. Mm. And there just seems to be like this 
period in history where all of the, these things were sort of filtering up and like otherwise very rational human beings were like, I've seen a ghost in a picture. I think, yeah, there was the world was still ripe with possibility. Unlike now like. where it's like, Ugh, nothing is real. Nothing is magic. It's just technology. Yeah, we've, we've kind of, we feel like we've understood everything now. Where so there's still a lot to to kind of grasp and understand back in the day. I've been trying to teach myself about physics, oh, as you know, um, and I recently learned that. Well, you say as I know. You mean you, made, you... you made me put on some vi- videos to explain how gravity affects time. So I've read. I was reading this book that was called Seven Brief Lessons in Physics. Right. Um, I had hoped that it would help me to understand. A small bit about the physical world what it it did not what it did do is highlight how little i understand about physics right well i'm gonna set up my own podcast which is trying to understand physics with natalie Mm -hmm. um and episode one is the theory of relativity and if anyone knows a lot about that jumping in (laughs) face first if anyone would like to very slowly and patiently and very very simply explain that to me and um, please write in because i i want to understand so when they get to shangri-la yes or which is kind of like towards the climax of the movie um i did really enjoy the aesthetic of that kind of castle where the the sort of the yetis live it was quite good quite nice it reminded me in a strange way of some there's a Tomb Raider game that ends up like a similar sort of thing where you end up fighting some yetis. Maybe <laughs> even, I think, an Uncharted game does the same thing. Like, all of these kind of exploration games get a bit like... just bring in some weird fantasy stuff for no apparent reason. But I, I liked it. I liked the I liked the look of the yetis and stuff. I think that was cool. Mm. And the, <laughs> this, the climax of the movie is this, this really ridiculously drawn-out sequence of them holding onto a ledge that just keeps <laughs> going and going and going, which is absolutely great. Oh, it's fun. In, when we were talking about physics earlier, that's the like the fun bit of anime Don't reference movies. the physics earlier, because I'm definitely cutting that out. No, Paul! <laughs> that's my only contribution to this podcast. You can't just cut out all of the bits where I feel like I'm happy. <sighs> I was being my true self. Okay. It's hard for me. Yeah. I'm, well, now I don't remember what I was saying. Talking about physics earlier. When they play with physics like that in animated movies, and it, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you're sort of floating around. Coyote time. Coyote time. You know, like with one of the coyote, where he will run oh, off a cliff, but he'll just stay there yeah. for a few moments. Yeah, it definitely has like a bit of that vibe, doesn't it? Where yeah. it's like you're scrambling, scrambling, scrambling. You know, how in the world are they actually doing this? They're not because it's not real. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fun. Enjoy mm-hmm. it. Do you yeah. think that would really happen if you ran really fast? If you were able to run fast enough? Yeah, because planes fly. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is Einstein's theory of Wiley Coyote. Because planes fly. <laughs> if you got... Famously, <laughs> Einstein said, because planes fly. <laughs> um... It was right after E equals MC squared. He just went, brackets, <laughs> planes fly. For explanation, see Wiley Coyote. I'm pretty um, sure that he came after Einstein. Oh! Yes, probably. <laughs> My point is, if a coyote was fast enough and it was in a forest where no one could hear it, 
and it ran off of a cliff. Would it make a sound? To sum up... Um, we liked this movie a lot and I think you should consider watching it. Um, and after you've watched it, if you're old enough, you should consider looking up Victorian... Are they Victorians in the turn of the century? Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, ish. Ish. Like, all that crazy stuff where there was, like, women pretending to give birth to rabbits and, like, photographs where there were ghosts in the background. All that stuff is a good time. Freak shows. Freak shows. Yeah, basically glorifying. I don't go... No, not <laughs> freak shows. Read a book, Paul. Jesus. Um, I don't think this would be a Disney movie because... Disney. That's the point of the podcast. Yeah, okay. This... Yeah, keep this. Uh, we're 41 minutes in. We've got to the point of the podcast. Disney, no one. Have, I don't think Disney have ever made a stop motion movie. And mm. I don't know whether that's just because it would require such an investment to hire that specific skill set of people. Like being someone that like does model movements isn't the same as an animator. And they hired loads of animators because they made cartoons. So why would they do this? But even then, they've not, like... You could quite easily see, like, in another world, Disney buying a studio like Leica to make stop-motion movies, but they haven't. Um, yeah. Maybe because they make no money. Uh, <laughs> just lose a lot of money. <laughs> Disney famously loves money. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, so, But I think, like, if you, if, if, you, if you were to do this as, like, a CGI adventure movie like if this was just a regular disney movie i still don't think it would be a disney movie because and it's only a little point but it was something that they pointed out during one of the um behind the scenes things i was watching it's like these are all adult characters oh yes yes can i tell you another piece of trivia please sure all of the other Leica movies the main character is voiced by a child yeah is that exactly what you were gonna say well no but uh, yes they are that's a good point but equally, like even it's not in... a point; it's a fact; it's the truth. Right, yeah. But <laughs> truth, fact. Yes, but equally, in the majority of Disney movies, like the main characters or the main protagonists are kids, right? Generally, these movies are aimed at kids, so you see a lot of it through a child's eyes. A lot of the sort of early ones, like the ones that come to my mind as like classic Disney, they tend to have like protagonist is like a 16 year old girl yeah so she's true. older than the ca- than the children who are watching it but she's not an adult yes yes no yeah you're, you're quite right you're quite right that is very true you wouldn't find like a middle-aged man and a sasquatch normally being the center characters of a disney movie it is normally like a young adult i feel and yeah especially in more modern films i think they tend to age down the characters in more recent movies for some reason. I, I, I don't necessarily know why. No, no. It's something, some sort of... I always think about children's entertainers and how in the sort of like 60s and 70s, children's entertainers would be like... Peter Pals. <laughs> well, yeah, but they would be like older men. Um, and then it's not like when I was growing up, they would be sort of hip, young kids who were like older than me but not quite adults or only just adults maybe the it's got something to do with the way that we view childhood and like um the way that um we view child entertainment for children you've lost me you've definitely lost me (laughs) Um, the way that we have 
created entertainment for children has changed a lot specifically between the sort of 70s and the present day is what i'm trying to say yeah so you're saying this is kind of like a throwback in a way i just think this film stands out because the protagonist is a grown-up man yeah um whereas there seems to be there's a lot of movies where as you pointed out there are young adults or children as the main characters um yeah i feel like if disney made this movie lionel would have like a niece or a nephew that he had to bring along and they would be like the kind of point of view character and they would interact with susan become friends with susan and they would kind of drive a lot of that narrative forward like you, you you're missing that kind of I mean, Susan does bring a lot of that youthful energy to it in yeah. terms of, like, they're very naive and take everything he says literally, which is played for laughs and is pretty good. Um, but I, it doesn't have the same sort of dynamic. It does have more of a dynamic of, like, of, like, an old adventure movie, like, even, like, The Mummy. It has that kind of mm-hmm. vibe um, in in some kind of way. Definitely not a movie Disney would make, I don't think, without some heavy rewriting. I think the overall story is good and is like simple and is easy to follow. And like the movie I think is great and it does stand on its own two feet. I just don't think it would be a Disney movie. No, I agree. No. All right. Thanks for listening to Not a Disney Movie. I've been Paul. I've been Natalie. And if you do want to get in touch, tell us what movie we should watch next. Um, Natalie now has set up a Twitter, which is... At Not A Disney Movie. At Not A Disney Movie. So tweet us, tell us what you want us to watch, tell us if you think we're wrong. And get in touch if you want to teach me um, basic lessons about the universe and physics, please.